Welcome back to the Gorporium. Ah, oh, you're looking more drenched than usual. You'll be glad to know that the heating is on. Don't mind the noises it makes, unless you hear them right in your ear. In which case, it's not the radiator that's hissing. Also, as I'm sure you've forgotten, I'm Lily. And I'm still Bella. And we're just two gorehors with competitively witchy fingernails. Perfect for poking each other with. Hers can practically reach across the room. <laughs> Grimo. And as you can see from the shop's decor, we are in the Christmas spirit. And from now on, we will only be watching family-friendly Christmas movies. Just kidding. Let's watch something fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds perfect. I mean, don't get us wrong. We've got some of the holiday spirit. Hot cocoa. Eggnog. Mold wine, mince pies, the giant Muppet of the Ghost of Christmas Present is also here. <laughs> and some home invasion style murder. Yes, that is correct. We watched The Strangers 2008. Finally, after I've barely shut up about it for the past couple of months and to Bella for the past couple of years, as before today, she has never seen it before. I hope you like spoilers. And spooky masks. You wanted a Christmas movie? Too bad. Let's begin. Before we start getting into The Strangers, what have you been up to? Me. This one. You. Me right here. This, you. You. Um, uh, mm, uh, what have I been up to? <laughs> I mean, it's always a good question, isn't it? Especially in a pandemic. Yeah, it's sort well, of like, exactly. Hmm, what have I been up to? <laughs> <laughs> like, legitimately. Not, not a whole what bunch. A- what? Um, I've been animating a lot, which is nice. Mm-hmm. I've been, get, been getting good, you, you good scores. You are lovely artist. At my you. university. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very happy. Very pleased with myself. And as far as the Gorporium goes, I've just kind of been tending to, like, you know, my various wet specimens. Ooh, a level, level soggy wet, specimen. Level wet specimen. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any wet eel specimens because um, them's is my favorite i hate eels so much like <laughs> you know there's too. that one photo uh, there's a, there's one very distinct photo of like a moray eel and it looks like it's got the face of like a decrepit old man do you know the one i mean yes absolutely it looks heinous it haunts me i'll tell you what so sometimes i like to leave the gorporium and you know go nicer places yeah sure so um places that don't smell like i don't know mold and fish and stuff yeah yeah um so my beloved husband uh head in a jar is that his name his family yeah his name's head in a jar (laughs) his family own a holiday house sort of by a beachy area sort of more like a lake 
cut off to a beach. I can't remember what it's called. Not a reservoir, but <laughs> some, whatever. Some it, form of a body of water. Yes. It doesn't allow an estuary. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't allow big things into it, but some, and you get teeny fish in there, but uh, sometimes you get octopus and sometimes, oh. and quite a lot of times, you get eels. No. So, right, right. They're all very happy to just dive in, you know, just get oh. get neck deep in this oh, water. Oh, in the eel water. I got neck deep in the water and I was sort of, you know, mm. um, breaststroking along. Yeah. And a fucking eel <gasps> no. swam past me. I wanted to throw no, no. up, and I was like, "I have to." I, I was like, "I have to get out," and everyone was like, "No, it's really warm. It's a lovely sunny day. What do you mean you want to get out?" And I was like, "A huge ale just swam past me. What do you mean? Why do you want to get out? Are you guys insane?" And also, a couple jellyfish swam past me, like big brown jellyfish, and I was like, "These are all I'm literally all crying. my least favorite creatures." <laughs> It literally made me want to fucking like hurl like projectile vomit into the estuary because I'm not a fan of creatures of the no. sea. I cannot I, stand they for it. They are so slimy. <laughs> they are just so slimy. I cannot be dealing with that. I was like intending to swear less this episode and the eel <laughs> That's has like- That's your own fault brought every kind of like curse word like bubbling Ooh, into my chest because i hate them because i was just really having a nice time like it's like bathtub level warm water oh, wow. and it's really clear and gorgeous and it's not wavy you know there's no sand you just kind of go straight from grass into water and it's it is gorgeous yeah but then there's but an I eel in it i don't want the, yeah, eels. the eel fucked up my time and Your i went vibe. in it again recently with the gremlins trying to get them to swim and herbie did very well gizmo didn't like it i got him to go up into neck deep and he as you know he's very tall lily you're not supposed to get water on gremlins <laughs> that's like one of the three fucking rules i put them in waterproof suits okay <laughs> anyway I, okay. Got, I got gizmo into neck <laughs> neck depth Oh, no. <laughs> he, he he was doing okay and then he got in kind of deep and he just started going ah, 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 like making these like really high-pitched crying noises oh, no. and just and just farting into the water so <laughs> profusely that bubbles were just springing up and i had to carry him back to shore <laughs> Always oh, blowing someone's... it up in the water. Lily, one of the one of the eels just goes, Oh, someone's biffed it in here. <laughs> biffed it. <laughs> I can't I can't stop getting my housemates to say that. You know what's hilarious about me saying biffed it? <laughs> Is it came from a confusion on my end and I've just stuck with it. Oh, I, I meant this to say real slang. You made no, it up. It's beefed it. And <laughs> I've been saying so much. I've been better. saying I've been saying biffed it. Nobody nobody says biffed it except me. Like oh that God. is something that I have truly created tr- from a saying created, that was- we all say it now. Someone's yeah, it, it was no it's beefed it and i just couldn't remember what the word was and so i just have been saying biffed it (laughs) instead (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. What have you been so, doing this week? All my new succulents arrived, the ones that I paid for for my birthday. Mm-hmm. But my $200 worth of succulents. And, um, you know, I took them all outside to pot them and I decided to take my other succulents outside to get some sun and to water them because they were looking a little bit dry because I kind of tend to lean towards underwatering rather than overwatering, mm-hmm. which is the rule of thumb if you've got succulents or cactuses. Go a bit dry rather than yeah. soggy. Yeah. Anyway, my gremlins have never shown um, interest in plants before. They don't chew up plush toys or pillows or shoes or really anything so i just left them all on the outside the the gorporium to you know bask a little bit yeah as plants are wont to do and uh you know i was like chilling inside i was like what are these gremlins up to and i go and peer out the back door and see that they're chewing on something i'm like what are you chewing on (laughs) i go over and one of my succulents has been ripped to shreds. They pulled it out of the pot and tore every single leaf into tiny bits and just were like digging at it. Just that one? Yeah, just that one. They really smelt really nice to them. It must have. It was like kind of this one that felt a bit like lamb's ear. Like it was really velvety. I quite liked it. I was just about to trim it and repot it. (laughs) And I was literally just about to do it. And I went outside and it had just been fucking massacred. Just. It wasn't even like they like chewed on it a little bit they like diced it they really (laughs) they're so talented such talented chefs brendan was like is there anything you know that's reusable you know something you can propagate like a leaf or something and i was like legitimately they have destroyed every single centimeter of this plant there is not one usable part incredible i think what's happened there because i thought oh maybe it smelt good what if it smelt so bad to them that they had to destroy it that's also like i think that maybe they just hated it so much they just hated it they were like i'm going to kill this plant pulled it out of its pot and took it halfway into the yard and like pulled every leaf off of it and then chewed up every leaf and i was like holy god like you guys really hated this succulent oh my goodness awful yeah i haven't been up to much else so i wanted to mention something else instead i wanted Mm to uh congratulate elliot page on coming out as trans um i love him and i've always loved him um gaycation is an excellent documentary series if you haven't seen it i haven't watched all of it yet so good but I would also like to mention that the Gorporium is a turf slash transphobe-free zone, and that if any of y'all fuckheads try to step foot in here, either I will feed you to the beast, I will personally cram you into the dumbwaiter and send you down to the beast, or I will unleash the landlord on you, or you might actually honestly just go up in flames. Yeah. So... It's of the three options, none of them are very fun. So just stay no, they're out, all going to be heinous for you. I've put up a sign that says "No turfs and transphobes." It is a LGBT safe space in the Gorporium. Of course, um, no matter who you are, 
It is a safe space for you in the Gorporium, and I will personally set on fire myself anybody who doesn't <laughs> accept you and but- obviously this goes without saying as well that the gorporium is obviously a safe space for people of any race or religion and disabled folks too. yeah we are fully accessible wheelchair accessible oh yeah the thing is that's fun about the gorporium you need like a ramp or something to get in i can just magic one up yeah, we just go in the it supply up. cupboard yeah. and it's just anything we want is in the supply it's cupboard. Good. So we are here for you Excellent. and not any small-minded knobheads. Yeah, they can stay out. Okay, so I also wanted to ask you. Oh no. Because as you've said, it's a trend on um, TikTok and Twitter. I-, I didn't realize this was a trend when I wrote it down in my notes. You're just so, you're just so, um, I'm so, so trendy. Smart, so trendy that I'm you came up with so, this trend without I am even realizing. so hot, sexy, and trendy. I should <laughs> it's be very of sexy of you to have done this. Ooh la la. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Ooh la la. Ooh la la. (laughs) Anyway, I have no idea. I wanted to ask you what are your comfort movies and how deranged are they? Okay, I think mine are not actually very deranged at all. Mine makes sense for me as a human being. So, my three comfort movies, I would probably say, are Amelie. Uh huh. Because Amelie is always good. The music makes me really calm. It just makes me super I knew, happy. I knew Amelie was going to be I one mean, of I mean, it's yours. still like my number one film of all time. Like, I'm obsessed with it. It's so good. I would say my. Uh, well, I've probably got like three other comfort movies. Blade Runner is one of them, although that's maybe for a more specific point in time where I'm like. I need to be comforted and also I have enough attention span to watch Blade Runner, which is not yeah. always compatible. See, that's not the perfect comfort movie to no. me, then, if you have to have the right attention okay, span. Okay, that's true. Okay, so in which case my other my other two comfort movies would be Labyrinth and The you Princess good Bride. Good choice. So oh, Yours are a lot more um I think wholesome. mine makes perfect sense for me as a human yeah. being. You know what wholesome. I mean? Wholesome. Yeah. Good, just good all-rounders, don't get boring. Yeah. Good. Yeah, because I was thinking like American Honey, but American Honey is like American three Honey's hours not, and like, 20 minutes fun long. To, like, I mean, it's good. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I adore it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. That is not a fun, comforting watch. No. <laughs> so, you want to hear mine? This is my three. This is my three at the moment. Yes, please. Train spotting. Oh, okay. Snow piercer. <laughs> okay. And the prestige. <laughs> Why did I know it was going to be the prestige? You know that. You know how much I love the prestige. Oh my god! I love some Victorian oh magicians. My god. I know. I know you do. I could genuinely. And I actually think I have done this in the past, like watch The Prestige multiple times within a week. And I, I am I, not yeah. somebody who. You know what? I respect that. I don't rewatch movies. I'm one of those people who, even if I love something, it, like, I, if even if I love it a lot, I normally just like give it five stars and walk away forever and never rewatch it. I'm not a rewatcher. The Prestige, I have probably seen about 25 <laughs> times. And for me, that's maybe my, one of my most watched ever movies i could quote it 
like oh it's so good by heart it's so good but train spotting and and t2 uh, T2 is massively, a big movie for me, actually. I just love both of them. They're depressing as fuck, but God, they are T2, my comfort movies. T2 I find movies. slightly more comforting because it's more T2 about... Is, T2 is it's more less optimistic. Heinous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's slightly less, like, nihil- nihilism. Yeah. Um, and then Snowpiercer is my favourite just because, like, all the fight scenes and stuff I've give me chills. I've not seen Snowpiercer, and I just so... Love the- oh, it's Bong Joon... Ho? Yeah, who it did, is. It is. I've not seen it who, though. Yeah, who did um, Parasite? Yeah, and even though I am not a Chris Evans fan particularly, <laughs> it doesn't really do it for me. Mm. I am obsessed with Snowpiercer. Oh, I need is, to watch it. It gives me, you know, like sometimes I don't know if this is just me being mental. Do you ever watch a movie and you get so excited, like like the action scenes or something build up so extremely <laughs> that you almost want to cry just because you're so excited? <laughs> yes. Like you don't know how else to express your uh, emotions. I so you just kind of like kind of laugh, tearing up. Because I feel like that when I watch Snowpiercer, I just sort of almost like start like, excitement crying yes um i think i got the same thing when i was watching perfect blue the other day which i talked about last week um but like yeah all of not not that it's like got masses of action scenes necessarily i guess it does um but during the more climactic scenes i get like so fucking riled up that i'm like oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's how i feel <laughs> we have gone on a little bit long in this chit chat section shall we skip recommendations for this week and go yeah. on to our, let's the, the new little mini section i want to discuss <laughs> let's <laughs> let's let's go so um from now on me and bella are now going to have this new little uh mini segment that can occur at any time in the podcast and it is triggered by either one of us <laughs> asking the other and it could be mid-sentence mid-segment whatever Bella, I've just seen a ghost. Can you describe it? <laughs> so what we ask each other is we we tell each other, Bella or Lily, I've seen a ghost. And the other one has to describe a ghost on the spot. Like yeah. they just have to make up a ghost. Well, it's not that I'm making up. Thing. I'm not making it up. I'm just, I'm just saying what I see. Yeah, you're describing what you see. I'll put it simply for the guests of the Gorporium. The Gorporium is incredibly haunted. Lily likes to collect cursed yes. artifacts. I like to collect cursed paintings, both of which usually contain ghosts. Ghosts in any variety. They can take any form. Ghosts are not just, you know, sort of like a pale, transparent person. They can be anything. We've got a lot of them. So often, whilst we're watching movies with our guests and trying to give recommendations sometimes a ghost will just turn up and you just gotta you just sometimes you need to check with the other person that's there that they're also seeing it so that's what happens yep i'll go oh lily oh i've seen a ghost can you describe it so bella yeah i've just seen a ghost can you describe it <laughs> yeah, I can. Oh, this is a uh, this is this is quite something. It's quite a specimen. He is wearing a short hat, like a fedora, and it's got uh-huh. quite a wide brim. So that's fun for him. He has no facial hair except a soul patch. This is quite a humanoid-looking ghost. However, he does have the eyes of a crawfish. What, like out on stalks? Yes. 
Oh. Um, so that's good for him. He can see, he's got really good peripheral vision. <laughs> yeah. He's sort of a portly gentleman wearing a too tight, like, white business shirt. And he's got, like, sweat stains under the armpits because he's been wearing it for God knows how many mm. years because he's a ghost. Does he also have coffee breath? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And also, he is wearing women's slacks <laughs> and yeah. Birkenstocks. There we go. That's a... Wow, what an, out- what an outfit that is. <laughs> I think so. Right, we have been gabbling for too long. <laughs> we have been gabbling. Gabbling isn't a word. But shall we um, do this tagline and please, poster then? I'm begging you. Right, let's get into it then. You ready for me to read these taglines? Give me, give me some taglines, please, madam. Lock the door, pretend you're safe. Which is honestly advice that these characters could use in the movie. Yeah. It's a bit like, it's a bit it's vague fine. as a tagline. It's Lock right. the door, pretend you're safe. Like, I think it's, it's nothing. Like, it does the job of being words, but. <laughs> it does the job of being words! <laughs> That's how I feel about a lot of taglines. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nothing, words. really, is it? It's just not doing much for me. It, I don't know. It sure is a sentence. <laughs> it does something. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. We tell ourselves there's nothing to fear, but sometimes we're wrong. See, I prefer that one. That one is better. And I think that's the one that was mainly distributed along with the poster. Yeah, I can I mean, see that creepy. one on the poster. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. It's, again, it's nothing like crazy. It's like, you know, it's fine. We tell ourselves there's nothing to fear, but sometimes we're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. True. It's it's you got it. I guess so. You're correct. Alright, so the the third one, I actually want Becky to bleep out, but I wanna discuss it with you anyway. Okay. So, um Oh, okay. Which is obviously the last line in the film, which is why I want it bleeped. Yes. Okay. See, I like that one. That's my favorite. Yeah, that's my favorite tagline. That's the best tagline for sure. Despite it being a spoiler. spoiler. Which sucks, but it is very unsettling. I like that one a lot. I mean, I think it's that use of that is so good in the film as well. So it is. It, yeah, yeah. No, I think once you watch good. the film and then you see that that's a tagline, it hits like extra good because of it. Mm-hmm. So um, just you wait, listeners. My <laughs> <laughs> secret. But yeah. So which is your favorite? Is that your favorite tagline? That yeah. The that the mystery one, <laughs> the mysterious bleeped <laughs> one, is my favorite one for sure. Yeah. Okay. So this poster. As you are the artiste in this family, indeed. I I'm am. gonna let you go uh, first on the poster. Okay. So the poster features the main female protagonist stood in the living room of the house that the film is set in, sort of staring towards us vaguely. And then there's a dark hallway behind her, and in the dark hallway stands a person in a very spooky sack mask, also looking at us as she's obviously not seeing. Sackhead. Yeah, so she's not seeing that there's a person behind her. I think the poster is 
pretty engaging. I remember, again, it's one of the ones that I feel like I've remembered over a long period of time. As I say, I've never seen this movie until today, mm-hmm. but I remembered that this was the poster very vividly. I love this poster. I think it's really, really good. I think that it just, I don't know. It's I think spooky. It, it is engaging. It's creepy. It's well shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically a still from the movie, which is also well shot in my opinion, but I really like it. I think that it really sums up the movie. I don't think it's yeah. disingenuous to what the movie is at all, nope. like a lot of posters Tells you are. pretty much <laughs> what's up. What happens. Yeah. I I like it. I like the lighting. I like the color grading. Yep. I think it's creepy. I think it's just about perfect for what it needs to be. Yeah. No, it's super, super effective. I think it's great. Right. Um, shall we get into the meat of things? I think we I think we should. I think we need to get into it. Tromp right in. Hello? So, The Strangers is a home invasion horror movie that was released in 2008. It was directed and written by Brian Bettino and was his directorial debut. This year, he put out a movie called The Dark and the Wicked that I'm also very excited to watch. The Strangers is based on true events, but is not actually a true story. One of these true events that it is based around is the Manson family Tate murders, and some journalists also compared it to the Keddy Cabin murders, if anyone's heard of that. It was made for only $9 million and made $82 million in box office and received very mixed reviews. Hmm. Now... Before we actually get into the synopsis, I want to do a quick character breakdown. So we've got Liv Tyler as Kristen, who is sort of the main character, the protagonist, um, the sort of long-suffering female character. It feels (laughs) like she's sort of very hard done by in her attitude. We've got Scott Speedman as James, who is Kristen's boyfriend. They're having a rough time. He's quite sort of a macho figure, I would say. We've got Glenn Howerton as Mike, who is James' best friend. There's not really much more to him than that, to be honest. We've got Gemma Ward as Dollface, Lara Margolis as Pinup Girl, and Kip Weeks as Man in the Mask, but I prefer to refer to him as Sackhead. Um, The last three are the strangers in question. So there's not that much character description to go on in this but i wanted to lay out the actors and the names before we get into things content warning before we proceed this movie's contents are pretty disturbing it doesn't contain the usual sort of pulpy campy violence that we usually cover instead it takes on a bit more of a bleak nihilistic tone being based on actual home invasions makes it pretty frightening so if you're someone who's paranoid about this happening to you i would proceed with caution That being said, we'll never cover a movie on this that's going to be so depressing that we can't have fun talking about it. So fear not, the contents ahead are not as bleak as I'm making them out to be. I just wanted everybody to be aware that this is not a super peppy movie. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would say no to that. So we begin with a narrator informing us that 
What you're about to see is inspired by true events. According to the FBI, there are an estimated 1.4 million violent crimes in America each year, which is a very Texas Chainsaw Massacre type opening. And in fact, this movie is far more referential than I ever realized when I was watching when I was younger. I'll mention some of these references in the synopsis and some in the trivia, but it actually pays homage to a lot of slasher movies. And what's quite interesting is on the Wikipedia, it is referred to as a slasher movie, whereas most horror fans don't refer to it as such at all. They don't think of it as a slasher movie. So it's sort of a an arguing point. Bella, do you think it's a slasher movie? Yes or no? I, hmm... I really teetered on it. I think the sequel yeah, I is. No, I probably. I, I think know, it's. I, don't I think mean, the... it's more like suspense, psychological. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would. I would categorize it generally under psychological horror, and then with like a caveat of like it technically also having the makings of a slasher, but it definitely yeah. comes under psychological horror for me. We'll get into some of this a little bit more later. Mm -hmm. We're also informed by a said narrator that on the night of February 11th, 2005, Kristen McKay and James Hoyt left a friend's wedding reception and returned to the Hoyt family's summer home. And that the movie we're about to see depicts that night's events. Our opening shot sets the scene of a very rural Midwestern area of America. The houses aren't attached. Neighbors are not nearby. There's a lot of forest and dirt roads and everyone's quite spaced out. No one could hear you scream kind of houses. Mm, fun. <laughs> we then hear a 911 call coming from a young boy who, along with his friend, have stumbled upon upon a crime scene whilst delivering Mormon, like, Jesus loves you type flyers. We don't see much aside from a very busted up car and rather a lot of blood on the inside. So our first shot of Kristen and James in the car makes it clear that things are a little bit awkward between them. Well, definitely a little more than a little bit awkward. <laughs> She's crying and no one's talking, which is a very bad vibe. When they get to the house, she lights up a cigarette and he goes on inside ahead of her. The fact she's a smoker is quite important, which is why... Um, I mention it. When she goes inside and turns the lights on, she sees a romantic surprise was waiting for her. Champagne, rose petals, the whole fucking shebang. And it's revealed a little later that he proposed at their friend's wedding and she said no, citing that she's not ready. So that is why things are very weird and awkward. <laughs> Please don't propose at other people's weddings, even if it's not like, you know, in the middle of the dance floor or whatever, but like, it's always weird. <laughs> Like, you might be feeling nice and romantic, Literally, but do not do it at someone else's wedding. Other people's weddings get people kind of in the mood. They're like, ooh, yeah. maybe I want to do that too. But it's their, but it's their not day. not at someone else's wedding. It's weird. And if also, if the person says, well, if the person says yes, then you've overshadowed them. Yeah. And if they say no, then you've like ruined everybody's night because it's super awkward. Yeah, you've made a big doo-doo in the middle of the wedding party <laughs> you've shat if you've on the done floor, that essentially yeah essentially also he forces her to keep the her engagement ring that obviously she denied which is really weird it's clear that they're probably going to break up so they cancel their road trip that they were going to have and james calls his best friend mike to come pick him up um there's lots of crying in the bathtub <laughs> 
And I would like to... <laughs> Lily has made a note here that Liv Tyler is a very beautiful crier, she which is. is incredibly true. She's gorgeous. She's, I mean, she's just so beautiful. She's got such a stunning little elf face. I, I know. love her, looking incredible. at her. Her nose <laughs> like, is amazing. Wow. Like, there's a scene where she has her face in profile, and I was like, what kind of fucking nose is that? What kind of it's face? Incredible. It's not fair to the rest of us. It's really not... So yeah, a little crying in the bathtub, a little ice cream eating, a little champagne drinking. Very sad, very depressing atmosphere of a ruined relationship. I love that it's James who gets the ice cream out. Like he gets like a three liter thing Big of ice pint. cream. Yeah, it's huge. It's a massive thing of ice cream. He just digs right in, straight out of the freezer, rock hard. Love it for him. Love that for him deeply. Um, so they start drinking some champagne very sadly. They put some records on, they start, they have a hug, like a, oh no, you've rejected my proposal hug. <laughs> but then. And oh no, you've rejected my proposal hug. <laughs> it's a very specific kind of I hug. I mean, I, I get that. Like. It's like the kind of hug you have with somebody that you quite like still, but they've also decided to break up with you. Yeah, it's a bad, it's a, that's it's a, a nasty, that's not a nice a hug. It's a very hug. sad hug. <laughs> A hug with bad intent. It's not good at all. Very bad energy exchange that happens in that situation. Okay, but they're hugging. And then I guess their hug is like horny enough that they start kind of getting a little little frisky. And just as they're about to boink, like he's literally about to enter her and someone (laughs) knocks very loudly on the door, which is bad timing, maybe very good timing. I think the knocking, well, in the long term, the knocking is not for the best. But in this particular instance, it might be for the best because I don't think if you guys think that you should break up because one person isn't ready to get married and one person is and you've all been crying for hours and you're kind of drunk. I don't think sex is the answer. Sex is not going to fix that. I think that's just going to make you guys feel worse. Almost definitely. So... Knocking at the door, James goes to answer it. He opens the door and a girl is standing there and the porch light is off. It's like, was that on before? Like both him and uh, Kristen look a little bit confused. The girl standing on the porch's face is obscured by darkness and she asks, is Tamara here? To which he replies that she has the wrong house and she asks, are you sure? She then disappears and he um, screws the porch bulb back in, which also weird, it implies that somebody has unscrewed the porch light. Kristen then says she's out of cigarettes, which James then offers to go get for her because he could do with a drive anyways. In my opinion, he might be a bit too drunk to drive. And he also flings a half full bottle of champagne (laughs) just like into the grass for some reason. Like... (laughs) Why did he do that? It's a waste of time. If I was, like, having to hang out with a guy... Like, you know, she's still in the house. He's just taken the champagne away from her and thrown it into the grass. And then chucked it. If I was her, I would be, like, smoking and drinking that that champagne. champagne, bitch. Give me it. Ooh, I could do with, like, a champagne buzz. Love a bit of champers. (laughs) I could do with a champers right this second. And for me, I mean, obviously, the Gorporium exists in liminal time. (laughs) Lily's usually at night, I'm usually in the daytime. Yeah, that's just how it works for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got very sun and moon energy. Yep. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, it's 2 p.m. for me in my brain. 
Um, and I could definitely do a champagne. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Kristen's now alone as James goes out on a Siggy run. Kristen then changes the song on the record player to Sprout and the Bean by Joanna Newsom. And <laughs> yeah. Shout out, Joanna Newsom. Can you divorce Andy Samberg so I can marry you, please? Well, you can marry her and I'll marry Andy Samberg. That's that fine. Works, works out. <laughs> That's fine. Why did we say works out? Same time. <laughs> works out. Works out. Kristen then tries on her engagement ring, which is weird and it weird. gets stuck. And as she's fiddling with it, we hear another knock at the door. And as the song continues to play... she approaches the large wooden door which is just such a haunting moment in this because they almost turn the uh joanna newsom song into sort of like an acapella version like they take all the the backing out of it and just make it this like echoey haunting yeah. thing as she rounds onto and the the wooden door at the front of this house is enormous it's like this enormous it's huge thick, carved door yeah it's so threatening looking yeah anyway she approaches the door, but doesn't open it, and hears from the other side, Is Tamara here? Kristen replies with, You already came by here, and the girl once again says, Are you sure? And it's the kind of thing that if it happens once, you're kind of like, Okay, that's a little bit weird. If it happens twice, it's really creepy. You know, someone mistaking your house yeah. for the wrong house once, you can allow. They mistake your house for the wrong house twice, like they've already been round that's spooky because they also live yeah. in literally the middle of nowhere like it is true yeah so it's not like this person would have gotten confused with like a bunch of terraced houses yeah yeah which it's, would it's be not understandable a tight-knit suburb with a bunch of like semi-detached or something yeah Kristen then locks the door as the girl walks away implying that the door has never been locked in this whole movie fucking time what year is this this is set in 2008 when people definitely locked their doors like i can forgive a movie that came out in the 70s for not locking their doors because i'm like well people didn't like people just straight up fucking didn't lock their doors in the 70s and like you know what whatever but 2008 people were locking their doors pretty sure pretty sure okay earlier before james had left to go get um chris and cigarettes he tried to light a fire in the lovely big fireplace in this house unfortunately he managed to fuck it up distinctly by not opening like the great chimney thing that lets the smoke out of the house and the smoke alarm goes off just after she's answered that like talk to that girl through the door bad vibe very scary she stands on a chair to fix it which is like please you should have let the fire department come and save you literally she would have <laughs> so all tragic. this trouble would have been saved if she just let that <sighs> fire alarm that smoke I alarm know. keep going i know another knock at the door again very loud and the smoke alarm tumbles to the floor as she's trying to turn it off this time, she does not approach the door and instead looks for her mobile phone, which is unfortunately dead. She plugs it into charge, and this was... I forgot how phones looked in 2008, <laughs> because she just awful. plugs it directly into like the, the plug, like the plug socket. It just like goes in. Like I'm like, does it have the little prongs just on the back of the phone? 
I think there was a charger cord, but you know. Uh, was that okay? Does <laughs> um. <laughs> it just have like a charger socket I was really sticking out the bottom of it? She plugs it into charge and she makes her way to one of the bedrooms to use the landline, which she's assuming will work. She calls James and informs him of what's happening, but he's not particularly concerned. He's probably just like, I don't know, so that girl's probably drunk or high or something, mm-hmm. looking for a friend. He just doesn't seem that worried. Yeah, she could be any kind of weird, yeah. you know, just something like, the local you know, weird girls. Yeah. She asks him to stay on the line with her because she's scared, but unfortunately the line goes dead immediately afterwards. She shrugs it off and goes to smoke her last cigarette, standing uncomfortably in the living room, which is weird. Like, sit down. If you're having an indoor she's cigarette, just having, please like, sit down. She's having a stress cigarette. She just stood right in Where the centre. Where you're center. sort of stood up and you've got your arms it's crossed. It's a huge living like, room too. And she just Ugh. stood in the direct middle of it. it <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why are you doing I that? I would be curled up somewhere. Like, Oh yeah, no. I'd be hiding. She smokes her last cigarette standing in the living room and in the doorway behind her, we see a very tall man sort of loom out of the darkness. He has a horrible mask on that's made out of a sack, two little eye holes cut out, and a mouth is painted on in like a black sort of smile. It's really disturbing to look at. He watches her um, for a long time, only leaving when she finishes her cigarette, and then the knocking starts again. But this time, instead of sort of starting off like a normal knock, is immediately really aggressive and is like interspersed with what sounds like someone scratching at the door. So that immediately is like, oh no. This is bad. Something bad is <laughs> definitely bad. happening. Because before it was like kind of like, uh, Polite someone's knocking. being creepy, maybe casing my house or whatever, but as it's soon not as like it the end to of turn the world. Into huge, like, spaced out thumps. Scratching. Yeah, it's, nail you know that's a bad vibe. You're like, oh, this isn't someone making a mistake anymore. No, no, this is purposeful. She grabs a kitchen knife, which is a good idea, actually, for once, and she approaches once more and sees that the smoke alarm that, as we remember, she accidentally, like, dropped to the floor and broke, is now on the chair, and her mobile phone is gone, so she now knows that someone was definitely inside the house. Yeah, it's not looking good. I would be a lot more afraid than she is. I would be like running to whatever room had a lock on the door, personally, like a bathroom <laughs> with a lock on the door, something like that. But, you know, she's a little bit more confident. I think she thinks it. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could be under the idea that like teenagers are pranking you, like they're really bored living out in the middle of nowhere yeah, well. and they're fucking around. There is that sort of. <laughs> amount of doubt there but yeah anyway now there's all kinds of racket happening outside of one of the windows which she approaches with a knife it's like tin screeching like tools rattling it's really horrible noises she opens the curtains and fucking sackhead is standing outside staring at her his face mask practically touching the glass i would like to note at this point that i clutched my titties in fear upon rewatching. <laughs> and she just like grabbed them really hard sometimes and, you have to grab them for safety yeah and then i had to have a break from watching it and i didn't 
I didn't oh watch God. it again until the morning. Like that jump scare. Well, I watched a little bit further after this, but I like got so stressed and like sweaty. Like my palms were sweaty. I couldn't barely type. I had the air con on because like sweat was like running down. For some reason, oh my God. it really scared me. It really got you, yeah. didn't it? And I was like clutching my titties when his face popped up. I was like, ah. So um, he's right there just watching her through the through the window and then someone starts to come through the front door and at first you think it might be james like doing like a little little spooky bluff but no it's just another stranger a different masked person doll face this time so she's wearing sort of this creepy doll mask with big large eyes Kristen luckily manages to slam the door, locks it, and runs to hide in the bedroom as the record player skips and the people outside thump and bang on the windows. And as she hides in the bedroom with the knife, she eventually hears the door open once more and footsteps approach. Luckily, it is only James this time. Less luckily, he left his phone in the car and has to go outside to get it because obviously her phone is gone. So He's an idiot. <sighs> he is upon going outside he sees his car was immediately wrecked glass shattered tires slashed etc and his phone is missing dollface looks around in the driveway and he starts cussing her out uh he's very confident he just wants to he just thinks that they're dumb teenagers he tells Kristen to go back inside he doesn't seem to really care at all until he too goes back inside and sees his phone on top of the piano, which makes him finally realize that someone has, in fact, been inside the house. The two then try and make their escape by driving away, which doesn't work for obvious reasons, because the obvious reasons are someone has completely fucked up James' car, James's car. It's tires slashed, windows all broken, windscreen also broken, probably some wires cut. I don't know how cars work. That motherfucker is not going to drive. But they get in the car anyways and attempt to leave and pin up girl, the third stranger, mm -hmm. who is wearing a sort of mask that is... Probably 1920s. Yeah, I guess looks like a pin up girl. Yeah, she's got it's like It's got the like black sort of curls. a Marcel wave. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a bit Betty Boopish. Yeah. Yeah, sort of cartoonish. But she is in her own truck and she rams their car several times with her truck just destroying it beyond what it was already like they run back inside find the world the word hello written on the walls and find a shotgun um they go back to the front door clearly thinking to make it on foot this time whilst armed which isn't like a terrible idea they're pretty f like they could probably run and be a potentially okay yeah, we haven't seen that the strangers are armed at this point so, no, well, exactly. A so shotgun. a shotgun seems like a pretty good yeah. defense. It's, it's a strong piece of equipment. But before they can even step outside, Sackhead starts chopping his way with a fucking axe through the big wooden door. They try and move this big piano to block him because the door opens like inward so they can block him from getting in. Um, and they run and hide out in the house, shotgun aimed at a doorway. Whilst they are hiding, we are introduced to a new character, Mike, who's just pulled up in his car. He's James's best friend, who's here to pick him up. James called him earlier. Someone throws a brick into Mike's 
front window causing him to get out and walk up to the house because he's like what the fuck happened he just threw a brick at my window yeah, he was just like in the middle of nowhere pulled up by the side he's of the like, road what the fuck is that slightly tipsy he's definitely too drunk to drive but he's like too drunk to be driving but caring he's caring about his best friend getting turned Dear. down for his engagement yeah um Someone, yeah, so someone throws a brick onto Mike's front window. He gets out because he's like, who the fuck did that? And then he sees James's car and it's in much worse shape with the front door open. So suddenly he's like, oh, okay, something bad might be happening here. He walks through the house and Sackhead, we can see him stalking Mike in the background with the big axe. <laughs> That's right. That's a kill alert. You know what that sound means? Kill number one of the movie. Mike. Glenn Howerton, Dennis from It's Always Sun in Philadelphia, turns around slightly and Sackhead has disappeared. So we don't know where he's gone. They move very fast, the strangers. Mm. He continues to make his way down the hallway until he reaches a door. He opens his mouth to greet his friends when he is blown away by a shotgun blast to the head. Because ah, Kristen thinks they've killed a stranger. But James pauses and said he didn't have a mask so oh, they've realized God. that they've killed mike literally when that happened i like screamed i'm so that's so devastating you know what it reminds me of expecting it's it in the all. 2005 um house of wax remake where they go and find one of the friends downstairs and he's all covered in wax he's like i'll get you out of this and actually snaps his head off <laughs> i hate that this so is much. worse though because like mike was this just like worse. fully alive and just trotting around he's fine yeah and he also he had a phone up. on him and a functioning oh, car and all this kind of stuff if they hadn't blown his head it's off fucked but yeah, James crawls over to Mike's body and realizes what he's done, and it's absolutely fucking devastating to watch. It is like, gutting. Oh god, it's horrible. Honestly, at that point, if I was being stalked by all those killers and I just like killed my best friend, I'd be like, you know what? Take me. Yeah, I can't, I couldn't live with it. I'd just be like, okay, couldn't live with it. I'd be like, that's it. I'm done. Done here. <sighs> yeah, I can't. Right. Especially shotgun wounds are just particularly <sighs> no, brutal because he so he didn't have a head left really like oh, it is no. heinous it's so awful also what you were saying about the the strangers being fast like the two girls aren't really but sackhead he runs he's just everywhere off. like he's always running through the yeah. woods and you can always just like like you know someone will be in a room and you hear running around the outside it's there's something very it's frightening terrifying. about a killer who runs. runs. Well, you don't like, see it that often, do you? And that's the no, scary it's thing. it's very upsetting. Because, like, a walk is not always threatening, but almost always a run is threatening. Because either it's someone running away from something or someone's running towards you. Yeah, I, either I way, don't like a run you want to go. Nope. There's something creepy about a slow crawl and a fast run. Those are the creepiest yeah. uh, modes of movement. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Anyway, Kristen and James then split up. She stays in the house and he goes out and tries to shoot the strangers. He's kind of trying to work his way up to the garage to get to the radio to contact help. Anyway. He hides on the grass and aims at Pinup Girl, but she turns her torch on him and Sackhead comes running and kicks him in the head 
So he's... Kicks him in the bonds. He's knocked out. Kristen gets quickly impatient and runs and falls into a folly slash ditch slash ha-ha sort of... Oh my god, I forgot they were called ha-has. Yeah, sort of thing oh around the perimeter. And then she, I think she breaks her ankle potentially because she crawls for like the rest yeah, of she, the movie. Yeah, she really struggles, yeah. So she crawls her way to the shed and we possibly get a bit of an Evil Dead 2 reference here because there's the outline of the axe on the wall, which is a bit like the outline of the uh, chainsaw in Evil Dead 2. And just oh, yeah. like... Um, Sackhead a little while ago chopping through the front door is very The Shining. So these are a couple of yes. potential references. A couple of references, which is cool. Kristen then tries to contact somebody using a radio. It's ultimately fruitless and leads to her attracting Pinup Girl. Uh, you can tell the strangers are really playing with them, toying with them, because Kristen has to crawl back away, meaning they could really easily get her, but they choose not to. Once she gets back at the house, she stood up in the living room when Sackhead comes in, but he doesn't see her and goes up the hallway. She then hides in a cupboard, a shutter-type cupboard, like in Halloween, so another reference. Yeah. And while Sackhead doesn't find her, doll face does. But she doesn't kill her and instead sort of drags her out and tells her, you're going to die. James then falls into the living room injured and tells Kristen to run but there really isn't anywhere to run with the three of the strangers after them they kind of you know have cornered them in uh she does run to a bedroom but hears James cry out in pain as she's hiding and she steps out to check on him and Sackhead runs at her full force horrible and throws her into the wall he then drags her bleeding body past a very injured possibly dead james Uh uh-oh um we now cut to dawn so the night they both have basically conked out they wake up and it's dawn james and Kristen are tied up together on the couch and three strangers stand before them Kristen asks why are you doing this to us to which dollface replies because you were home which is so fucked up. It's haunting. It's really haunting. It was the first horror movie I ever saw that was so nihilistic in its yeah. reasoning. Yeah. Just, you know, they have no motive just because they were home. Um, Dollface then goes to retrieve the kitchen knife and proceeds to take off her mask, revealing her face to them, but not to us. We don't ever see any of their faces. Um, the others do the same, knowing that Kristen and James will never survive to be able to report them. Ah! Kill number two. Sackhead comes up to James, who is tied up, and slowly stabs him in the stomach, which is so, like, deeply disturbing. It's so, like, the stabbing is so slow, and you can hear all the noises of, like, of what a stabbing sounds like, and it's so fucking disturbing. Yeah. Kill number three. Dollface in turn then stabs Kristen in the stomach slowly again, causing, you know, both of them to bleed out and die. Because if you get stabbed in the stomach, you're basically screwed. There's not much that recovers from being stabbed in the stomach. It's like the worst place to be stabbed. Yeah, Um, and they just really just smush them once slowly in the stomach and then just leave them. 
So that we then see shots of all three bodies lying lifeless on the floor. And then Mike's phone rings and Kristen opens her eyes and crawls towards it. So surprise, she survived. It's not technically kill number three, but she is in horrible shape. And unfortunately, as she crawls towards the phone, Sackhead hasn't left yet. But instead of hurting her again, he just takes the phone from her and leaves, knowing she'll die before help finds them. So we now see the strangers in their truck, driving past two Mormon boys from the start, the ones who we heard on the 911 call at the very beginning, um, and take one of their flyers. One of the boys asks Dollface if she's a sinner, to which she replies, sometimes. The boys then make their way into the crime scene, the same shots as the start, except this time we see the bodies. As one of them approaches Kristen, to check that she's dead, (laughs) um, she wakes up screaming and grabs him. So, she possibly survives, I guess we can assume, but like... She probably will end up not making it. I can't imagine. I think the movie wants us to like decide between being, you know, hopeful and nihilistic kind of thing. And yeah, I don't believe that if you'd been stabbed that many times and had been bleeding out for hours, yeah, on the floor for ages. No, I don't think she would have. And if she did, what kind of quality of life would she have? Led, well, you know, exactly. So. Deep trauma. Yeah, I don't know. But the strangers, the three of them, are off to kill another day. Which they do, because there's a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The end. The end. We did it. Woo, 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 woo. We did it. So, the good, the bad, and the gory. Dun, dun, dun. Let's start with the good. You start, you start. I think that the first half an hour, maybe the first 40 minutes, is a perfect, perfect example of tension building and suspense. Agreed. The repeated knocks on the door, like once isn't really scary, but by the time it hits three times of the same girl turning up at the house saying the same sort of innocuous thing about Tamara like who the fuck is Tamara Tamara? who is she so incredibly unnerving like I can just imagine that happening to me just someone you know turning up at your house at night knocking on the door them being like oh somebody home you're like you got the wrong house and them coming back three or four more times just to ask again horrendously scary to me that's very disturbing to me absolutely the way they do it is so frightening and just the tension building and that one silent jump scare finally when he's inside the house and she's having a smoke in the middle of the living room and he appears in the doorway and it's a silent jump scare you know like hill house with the ghosts that you just sometimes notice Yeah, yeah, and you notice them, and because you've noticed them whilst it's quiet, it makes you jump. Yeah. It is so frightening, and he stays there for so long. It is such a sweater. It really is. It's so creepy. I think that it's so good at tension building. Yeah. I think that it's the perfect amount of not rushing into it and not lingering so long that it becomes not scary and you're just bored. No, it's very, very well paced. The perfect note yeah. of tension building agreed i would also like to say that the use of a uh, diegetic like in world sound mm-hmm. is 
so great. It's it very, very good. Fantastic. It's one of my favorite examples of a diegetic soundtrack. The Use of Sprout and the Bean mm, yes. by Joanna Newsom and Mama Tried by Merle Haggard. Both of those scenes with those songs are bone chilling. Yeah, is Mama Tried the one that, that skips, that um the record skips on? That is so deeply disturbing, that whole shot, that whole scene where that record is skipping over and over and over again. A record skipping like that and being left to skip is only ever heard when something has gone distinctly wrong. Yes. That immediate, like, glitching like puts in so much fear into your like hearts you're like okay well if no one's fixing that then something bad has happened i mean they just consistently churn out an exceedingly good soundtrack but it's diegetic so the characters feel it and so do you yeah. i don't know it's the the soundtrack is stuck with me i mean just the sound design full stop like the knocking the use of the knocking and the running sound effects yes incredible sound design very very good sound design absolutely i don't think there's ever like a point to where you're like this um, the sound mixing itself is really really good like Mm -hmm. there's never a point where it's like stuff is too loud too quiet yeah no it's all good etc and in the same note of not being too loud too quiet being perfectly mixed i think that the lighting was gorgeous and worked oh, yes. wonderfully like for an immersive experience yeah and i don't like when things are like overlit so the soft yellow and oranges of the fire well, and you the, know, all the light bulbs it's is the great. color of a house at night you know that very yes. yellow fake um like tungsten bulb lighting is yeah, so yeah, yeah. effective it's, it's exactly me. how the gorporium looks right now yeah it's all lamp lit you know warm light bulbs mm-hmm. and you know i think it's great because it's never too dark the light and the dark are really balanced yeah very nicely everything's done. well lit whilst also being quite moody well it's purpose it's it's very intentional too which is interesting because i feel like yes. a lot of films they just do whatever lighting is like good enough to just light the set that they've built yeah but for this like, movie whatever. <laughs> it felt incredibly intentional so for example the very first time they see the girl and she asks is tamara here they use the lighting and they use the the like the door to block out the light so that her face is completely obscured in shadow except for just like the outer edge of it and i think that's Mm -hmm. so incredibly effective to like keep the anonymity of the strangers yes and i was thinking the same about um you know the the silent jump scare where sackhead is stood in the doorway yeah it's a very dark room she doesn't have many lights on she's stood sort of maybe in the um upper third yeah of the room yeah. smoking the cigarette he is he's in the bottom third in the doorway yeah. and you still you still don't miss him he's still well illuminated yeah but the Even room is not overlit hallway. yeah and it's un yeah it's an underlit room but he is well lit i think that it is extremely whoever was in charge of the lighting did an extremely good job, good job of making sure every detail that you needed to see was well lit without ever being overlit or too bright i think i just think yeah it's just beautifully done yeah and i think also the house set was great like yeah the it, house it reminds set was really you a good. lot of 
a house that you would actually live in. I mean, it actually was a set. So the outside of the house was real. Mm-hmm. The inside was a set. Yeah. And it would... I hate... Especially in horror movies, I find like low budget yeah. 2000s horror movies. Like bad Everything's slashers. so clean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everything's so clean. You know, everyone has like the kitchen island oh that's made God, of marble. Yeah. Like, they have these like super white minimalist clean houses. Yeah. And I just can't relate to it. Whereas this house felt like warm. Yeah, it felt like it a felt house. Like a family living. <laughs> yeah, it felt like a house I've been to a billion times and that's what i find so scary about that movie lovely molly oh which yeah I don't that house necessarily fucking... recommend but i do find it terrifying yeah because the house reminds me exactly of many houses that i've lived yes. in slightly ramshackled slightly coming apart at the scenes old yellow lighting everywhere old doors yeah. old furniture this and kind of cluttered small room slightly um cramped rooms even if they don't have a lot of furniture in them yeah i i like i think that's great i think you really need that to set a scene because like i'm trying to think of a a movie that does the opposite which is like so like terrible movie a stranger calls the house that she goes to fucking babysit at it's so pristine and like nice and clean (laughs) that i'm like i'm not interested in what happens to these rich people (laughs) I was thinking the same about a movie called Don't Hang Up, which I hate. Oh, very similar. Which is like these like posh kids living in some sort of suburban neighborhood where everything's like white and marble. Yeah. And whatever. Ugh. It just, I don't relate to it. No, I don't think it it's realistic. Pr- it looks like a set. Yeah, that's the thing. Like if set. it looks like a set, then it takes me out of the experience. But I felt like this did a really good job at being immersive. I think the diegetic sound, the lighting, the house set really made me immersed and even uh i'll let you take this point if you want but also how the camera oh yes see this is really cool so no matter what there's not any single shot in the film that is still every single shot is moving in some way so either it's like on a it's a handheld camera or it might be on like a dolly of some description, or it's like an over- a shoulder camera. So there's always, always movement, no matter what. And again, that puts you very much in an immersive like perspective, because that's how it you would like be seeing eyes. it. Yeah, yeah. It feels like your eyes are flicking around. Yeah, humans room. are never still. <laughs> like I think it was really, yeah. really effective. And you know, it's not it's not found footage by any means. It's not supposed to be. No, no, no. But it's, it's not absolutely but not supposed to be. But they're utilizing the same sort of you know constant movement thing to give you that first person perspective almost. And I think it's really, really. I don't know. Things very effective. Yes, I for sort of a final point, I want to say that the mask and character designs for the killers are really cool. And yes, I want to ask agreed. you, which is your which is your personal favorite stranger. Um, I think the mask that I like the most is the pinup girl one, maybe? Yeah, I think that it's really one is interestingly really cool. designed. I mean, all the designs are really cool, like genuinely very, very interesting. I, I think they're all great. I would say my favourite is probably Sackhead because I am like the most intrigued by him. Yeah, so Sackhead is also mine because he's the most mysterious because he's the 
only one who never speaks. He has no yeah. dialogue at all. And he feels like sort of the pure evil that's driving the group. Well, like that's what I was thinking. And, is you like, know, when Dollface gets her out of the cupboard and yeah. she doesn't attack her, but she says, you're going to die. And then he comes into the room. Yeah, like, like she feels like they're, they're almost the his girls. accomplices. Yeah. And pinup girl never kills anybody no that's very true she just i think especially knowing the context um that we said at the very beginning of the synopsis that the director said that parts of this film are based on real life murders such as specifically the manson family tate murders murders. um the aspect of having one male killer and then two sort of female accomplices is very interesting to me and i think that's probably why sack head is my favorite because i'm like he's clearly the driving force i want to know i what think his that's deal so is. interesting that you said that because i thought that too that he is the charlie manson yeah for he sure has no like, doubt manipulated these other people yeah almost. and he never and speaks ever silent but he perpetuates a, a much higher sort of power mm-hmm. like he's giving off this sort of power compared to the others yeah absolutely that he is the most dangerous and the most in control and that they would kind of do whatever he said yeah yeah absolutely do you think you have anything like you know maybe some criticisms yeah i have some criticisms do you do you want to give any to start and then i can take over um, i feel like i sort of took over the good section so that's okay um I do, I'm kind of disappointed a little bit in aspects of how they treated, like, the mysteriousness of the strangers. Yeah, I feel the same. I kind of was upset with them taking their masks off. Like, I know it's because they know that they'll never survive to be able to report them. I didn't like that they talked, ever. Like, I just wish they'd been silent completely. See, that's why I said that the first half an hour in the good section Uh was a perfect example. Yeah. And then it kind of loses me. Well, it gets less scary for me at some point because the characters almost become overexposed. Yeah, they're too human suddenly for me. The more they talk and the more they interact and the more we see the eyes behind the mask and see how they might look and how they might behave and all this kind of stuff. They're too overexposed and they become less frightening. I wish they were more mysterious. Yeah, kept almost as monsters instead of being much more human. I kind of, I don't hate the mask removal scene as much as I hate some other bits. Yeah, that's fair. I think I don't mind the mask removal. I'm very glad we didn't see their faces, though. Yeah, I, I wish during the mask removal we didn't see as much of them as we did. Like, we didn't see faces, but it was still too much to me. Yeah. I wish we just saw the masks getting placed on the floor. Yeah, Like, me too. just a shot of the mask. Yeah. I will say some of the dialogue for the, um, the mask for the strangers is fine. Like, I like the because you were home bit. I think that is important wouldn't quite strike the same chord if that bit of dialogue was removed. I think that's basically the only... And I also like the Tamara bit. Yeah, I think that those are the only two bits of necessary dialogue. Tamara and Because You Were Home. Yeah. Any other bit of dialogue from The Strangers was overexposure and Yeah, unnecessary. unnecessary. I agree with you. 
especially when we see them at the end and they take the flyer from the Mormon kids and then they drive off and she's like, Dollface is like, it'll be easier next time. Like, it's a yeah, little because, bit heavy handed. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, like, we I can get, assume they're going to go kill someone else. Like, I can just make yeah, that assumption. Yeah, we don't need you I don't need to, them tell to tell me, me that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you. Show me, don't tell me. Yeah, I think that they just start to do a little bit too much tell in the end. Mm. A little, yeah, just a little bit. I mean, this is you know we're picking at kind of straws here, but um, yeah, uh, but I agree do, with you. The first half of the movie is better than the latter half of the movie, and I still really like the latter half of the movie. Yeah, but I think the first half of the movie is perfect. Indeed, and then it sort of gets a little bit i wish it was subtler i wish it had more nuance yeah i wish it was less just like i wish it turned into less like survival horror yeah in the latter which half, is and it was just it more like creepy terrorizing i think yeah i think that the characters are all pretty mediocre like yes. there's not really any character development they sort of attempt it a few times because he that he mentions that he lied about hunting with his dad as a kid and he doesn't actually know how to load bullets into a gun and she puts on the ring after he leaves or whatever and so there's like some kind of like strife and stuff but they never really elaborate or like make sense of any of that it's just to kind of give this kind of half-assed yeah it's like explanation fine. into trying to flesh them out a little bit but yeah. it doesn't flesh them out it just falls a bit flat just either have them be flat or you know like why bother with the whole thing where he's like clearly been lying about his relationship yeah, with that's his dad not any prob- like that doesn't it come never to comes anything. to any f- yeah it never comes to any fruition it doesn't matter they all just die so I, and I don't feel more. I don't feel more sympathy for them or empathy for them because they're not fleshed out well enough for that either. No, so they between. just kind of hit this sort of weird middle ground where it doesn't come to fruition. And I don't like love the characters and feel sad when they die. So. No, so it doesn't. Yeah, it was pointless. It was a pointless venture to yeah. add any kind of character development if you weren't going to do it enough that I'm like, oh, I'm in love with these characters. Yeah. Also, I actually want to say this. I completely forgot to say it in my good points, but for me, I fucking loved that it was so nihilistic. Oh yeah, like the that nihilism shit is, is just straight up fucked gorgeous. up. You know, there's no, there's no more to it. There's no more. There's no commentary no. on society. There's no. No. Nope. It's not like making I don't know a statement about capitalism or something like that. Really, it's nope. just like. Just- Evil people are Something evil. Really Some people just like killing. Happened and you just watched it. Yep. And I end. think that is I I love and that. And it could happen to you. Yeah. And that's what's good For about no it. For no fucking reason. You could be as good of a person as you want, live your whole life as an amazing human being, and someone could still do something really horrible to you. Yeah. I think that I don't know, I really like that. I think there's something really good about a very, very base plot of just like shit's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> In that same note, though, I would like to put something into my bad column, mm-hmm. is that I think Kristen should have died too. I, I definitely think she should have died. I really didn't like the scene where she woke up or whatever at the end. Like, the phone bit was fine. Uh, no, I, the phone the, bit was good and very, he takes the phone end. away from her. Yeah, yeah, when he takes the phone away from her and he doesn't bother to try and kill her anymore because yeah, he just he doesn't knows. think she'll survive. That's sick. Whereas 
when she just like wakes up gasping and grabs at the kid that's so cliche but you know what that's stupid yeah well you know what that was actually encouraged by the producing studio yeah that yeah. makes a lot they, of sense he i didn't, didn't get the he impression didn't want that, that, that made sense with the rest of his writing no he just he just wanted her dead yeah he Which actually makes wanted more a much sense. Gr- grimmer end in general, I think. Yeah. There's been a couple of different cuts of this movie. We so. both watched the unrated version, right? Which is where, which has yes. the extra two minute scene about um, her waking up to Mike's phone ringing and crawling towards it. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Sackhead picking it up and taking it. Yeah. Because that's not in the, yep, the theatrical cut, which is interesting. Oh, interesting. Okay. No, I think I must have only ever seen the. Uh the unrated yeah so but yeah okay cool i think that's it that's it for my bad points let's get on to gory, the gory. gory gory what was your favorite kill i mm, i mean it's gotta be mike really there's only three kills it's and two of them mike. are almost exactly the same yeah and they're just really sad they're horrible and it's very well done and very well acted and very but mike you know but mike that's so, it was so chills. devastating Mike makes when Mike gets his head shot off by his best friend on accident and he's come to save them. It makes me want to throw up. It's so deeply devastating. It's just a bit where James goes, he didn't have a mask. Nah. Like he he fires the gun and he just has that second of realization like, he's like he fuck. didn't have a mask. Yeah. Cuz Mike wasn't supposed to come till the morning cuz he was drunk at the wedding so they just weren't expecting him yeah, to come. Yeah, they just didn't think immediately he was going to be there. At all. No. And obviously neither of them had their phones, so he couldn't pick up when Mike called him to say that he was there. Yeah, I also do love the double bluff of you think Sackhead is going to get him because he's he's creeping up behind him with an axe and then he just gets his head blown off instead. Yeah. That is an excellent bluff. It's so good. It was gutting, really. Yeah. It was. All right. So that is the good, the bad, and the gory then. Excellent. And now we're on to our newest segment, Ask the Public. Which I go out of my way to uh, scroll through thousands of Amazon reviews for the most deranged of them. And let's be honest, a lot of Amazon movie reviews are pretty deranged, full stop. But I look for the worst of the worst so all of these sort of teeter around the one or two star area. All right. Sucked by Brian. Okay, Brian. Sucked. Full stop. That's it. Oh. oh. Sucked. <laughs> I was waiting for something else. It was just sucked. Full <laughs> stop. Just sucked. Sucked. Damn, Brian. Sucked. That's a very in-depth review. Intriguing. Huh. <laughs> okay. Okay, Brian. One star by Anon. Okay. Sadistic film which will appeal only to the immature and gore-minded imbeciles. Ah, oh, that's me, baby. Oh, he's fucking on to us. Anonymous. I know. That's anonymous. I want to rename gore horse to gore-minded imbeciles <laughs> just a couple of gore-minded imbeciles i mean that is true also i just want to put that out there i am a gore-minded imbecile 
There's no way around it. <laughs> God, so many of these are good. I can't Go. Okay. Hit me with another one, quick. My boyfriend is making me watch this and I'm carrying round a piece of wood by Adon. I don't want to watch this. Stay tuned. I'll fill you in if we are okay in the morning. Hashtag terrified. What the? I am. What? I am carrying, but she spells it caring. I'm caring round a piece of wood. (laughs) (laughs) When I read that, I was like, what the? What the hell is this person talking about? about? I'm caring round a piece of wood. Why do you... I'm still confused. What do you mean she's carrying round a bit of wood? (laughs) To, like, defend herself from strangers? A bit of wood, like a twig. (laughs) I'm I'm so lost. What was her name? Just, that was uh, another anonymous. Oh, Oh, man. Hashtag terrified. Okay, go um, another one, another one. Uh, oh, the next one is so deranged. Oh my god, I love a good deranged one. This one actually makes me really mad, and I would say if you have any body conscious issues, you might want to just skip 30 seconds, 30 seconds past this one. Anyway. One of the very worst dot 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 dot, dot <laughs> ever by Old Bold Pilot. If you want to see Liv Tyler waddle around with an intertube like wad of fat around her middle, <gasps> screaming intermittently, this is the film for you. Oh if you God. can stand watching the first seven minutes, you have seen the film. The rest is just screaming. Oh my god, that mean I'm that like, is deeply deranged. Literally, who are you to insult Liv Tyler? Liv Tyler around old bold pirate. Is that what old bold pilot? Oh pilot. I normally don't use the full names, but frankly, y'all it. can dox him. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. Actually, please don't dox people on our behalf. Yeah, don't do that. But like women are supposed to have a little pooch down yeah, there. Yeah, that's why all my organs she's, are. She's bitch. slim. She's like a UK size ten. Yeah, you know she's what like I the mean? same size like, as me. She's busty, a little bit curvy. She just she looks great. She, she's I a mean, gorgeous yeah. woman. She's a celeb. She's an A list celebrity. Yeah. Who are you to say that she is waddling around yeah, this movie? Like, you what the foul fuck is that? Fucker. Come on, that's disgusting. That one actually that's just makes me, me mad. Yeah. That one actually makes me mad. So I've got to find a I've got to find a funnier All one right. now. <laughs> Go on. This this one actually cracks me up just because it's nonsense. Sound goes in and out. Oh, by Arlita. Okay. Sound goes in and out. Throw out the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Sound goes in and out. Throw Throw out out the movie. movie. (laughs) That's all one sentence. No no punctuation. Sound goes in and out. Throw out the movie. Is it throw out or throw out? Throw out. (laughs) Like you should throw out and throw out the movie. (laughs) <laughs> Sound goes Wait, in and out one, throughout the movie. This one cracks me up. Okay. This person, right, gave it two stars. Okay. I would like to, to preface this with Scary as Hell by Laurie. All right. 
this movie was just too scary for me. Very on the edge of your seat. I feel like I didn't breathe for about half the movie. If you like scary movies, though, you'll probably love it. Two stars. (laughs) Interesting. That was written by Laurie Strode, I just want to point out. two stars it did exactly what it was supposed to do (laughs) it was trauma for her all right i don't even want to give the little like review for this one because it's not that funny i just want to read the title which is just live tyler good movie bad agreed (laughs) not agreed i was about to say agreed live tyler good movie also good but live tyler good isn't (laughs) i'm agreeing with that point big agree Okay, I'm going to do one last one because I've gone through them pretty quick. Predictable and Bloody by Linda. Okay, Linda. The acting was this movie's only saving grace. (laughs) Oh, that's an interesting (laughs) perspective to take on this movie. What a take! What a take! The the acting was what saved this movie. Oh my god! The acting. The acting. I mean, they were fine, that, like, but like it was fine. I wouldn't say it had the the best performances I've ever seen from any of those actors. Even no, they've given much better performances <laughs> in all of their careers <laughs> elsewhere. Linda, Linda's time over. Linda's a member of the academy, and she <laughs> thinks that this film has wonderful performances. Oh, you know what? I'm doing one more. Oh my god, go. Simple, basic, and just bad by Lacard. Lacard? This is painful to watch. Terrible sets. A soundtrack that makes you want to drink. The plot is predictable and moves at glacial pace. And I'm like, the soundtrack does make me want to drink. Yeah, but like it makes me want to drink like like whiskey and like cry to Joanna Newsom. So sure. Yeah, I agree (laughs) with that bit. Terrible sets. What, <laughs> Wait, what is what? he talking the about? The sets were so good. <laughs> Literally, what was bad about the set? I'm like, so I've lost. seen bad sets in my time. Like, did he want a sci-fi movie or something? Know. Did he want something more over the top? I'm not was sure. It, too it just sim- looked like what? a house. <laughs> I mean, that's what his his title says: is simple, basic, and just bad. So I guess it was oh, just that's too so weird. It's just too simple for him. He wanted something very complicated. People on uh, Amazon are usually bonkers. bonkers. Agreed. <laughs> I'm not going to read this other one, but this is my final note. It's just like, there was another what? There was another review. And she clearly meant to type <laughs> bitch at some point. Like, being like, bitch, stop screaming. But she typed biscuit <laughs> <instead>. <laughs> biscuit shut up biscuit shut up maybe she was doing like a vote like you know a voice (laughs) note thing and she was yelling at her dog (laughs) right shall we do the trivia i think i think we have to i think we need to all right trivia time let's go i am going to give my personal favorite bit of trivia and then you're welcome to take over all right the houses shown during the opening credits each resemble a famous house from a famous classic horror movie such as A Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, and The Amateurville Horror. But I also personally saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre in there. Ooh, very cool. Very nice. So, and there was a lot of references throughout the movie, you know, to Halloween, potentially Evil Dead, yeah. to The Shining, and to, and to Texas Chainsaw, the very, the very start where it's the yeah, voiceover the, the saying absolute... this is based on real life events. 
that's very that's Texas very... Chainsaw. In fact, I think it owes a lot to Texas Chainsaw. In a lot of ways, yeah, because that's a very nihilistic movie as well. That's just like, this shit is fucked. Yeah. Yeah, literally just horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing movie, but like, God, it's a hard watch. Yeah. Do you want to take a piece of trivia? Yeah, okay. So this is interesting. I always love stuff about when, like, movie theatres fuck shit up, like, something goes wrong, or, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, or anything about um, yep. cinema releases, so weird advertising ploys or like, anything like that, or, like, scratch and sniff cards that you used to get for certain movies. I just think it's interesting. Basically, yeah. for this movie... Many theatres across the US were sent faulty reels, so like ones that contained sound problems, which made a few minutes of several scenes of the movie filled with nothing but loud static. Interestingly, most audiences did not even realise the sound was a problem since the dark overtone and loud background music in some scenes made the static seem part of the movie, which I think is very interesting. I think that's pretty cool. I want to see the static cut. Yeah. Give that, me like... the static cut. <laughs> it's like the Snyder cut. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's funny that the audiences were like so like, oh, yeah, I, I think I understand the vibe of this movie like so much that they were <laughs> yeah. like, oh. Guess this they is just fine. rolled with the punt. Yes, yeah, they were like, "Cool, whatever, no problem." That's fine. Okay, my next piece of trivia is the song "Mama Tried," which is heard several times during the film. The song that skips on the record player is a 1968 hit by Merle Haggard and the Strangers. Her band was called the Strangers. Hi, it's Lily here. I just wanted to add a quick little note. That was to say that I got the song by Merle Haggard and the song by Gillian Welch and David Rawlings confused, which is why I refer to Merle Haggard as she. The song that skips is by Gillian Welch and the song that plays on my Kent is The House by Merle Haggard. So yeah, got them confused. Just thought I'd clarify. And back to the podcast. Oh, I have a one that links to that as well. Okay. That I haven't written down anywhere, but I just remembered it from when I was reading last night. Liv Tyler, obviously Steven Tyler's daughter. He, his first band when he was, I don't know, early 20s, something like that. Early 20s, maybe late teenager. His very first band was called The Strangers. Oh, that's cool too. Yeah. Interesting. I don't really have much more trivia than that other than... No, there wasn't a crazy amount of trivia for this we've mentioned one. a lot of it throughout our synopsises and our good the bad and the gory yeah the only thing i'd like to mention is that filmmakers tried to design the house as one that your brother could have lived in that you could have grown up in that kind of thing to make it feel homey but we kind of went into that that it was a very yeah but i mean it's realistic... super effective they clearly thought a lot about the set yes and they put the effort into it yeah and it paid off in my really opinion. really well done yeah all right so scores lily what's your critic hat look like this week Ooh, Quick. Oh, oh, oh um it is a blue bowler hat very nice like a powder blue bowler hat oh, okay with sort of a flicked up uh the bit that goes around the outside okay <laughs> sure sort of a curvy powder blue bowler hat <laughs> okay that's it i was i don't know if i was waiting for you to add more but you just kept <laughs> saying the same thing so that's fine um maybe mine... some flowers pinned into it oh that's know. cute you know what i'll have mine sort of match mine's gonna be a periwinkle felt 
hat shaped into like a pixie hat like you know the ones you get at festivals that are shaped into like a pixie hat it's got a little curl on top and it's periwinkle it's shaped like a flower i imagine mine being made out of felt as well okay that's fine we've both got fairy hats on but i also imagine mine being something that like someone on the titanic would have worn (laughs) that's good specifically the movie titanic yeah not actually (laughs) the titanic the movie titanic I respect that. I can see that. All right. So my critic hat is firmly on. Mine too. How good is this movie out of 10? Eight out of 10 for me. Yeah. You know what? I wrote down seven, but I've been talking about it so much that I've decided to change it up to an eight. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I think that's good. So both gave that an eight out of 10. Okay. So not your critic hat, but um, your personal preference. So despite how actually critically good you thought it was how much did you actually enjoy it i gave that also an 8 out of 10 okay i gave that a 7 out of 10 i can't Fair remember enough. why i think i just um no, I there was a, like a couple bits reasonable. that take it down for me a little bit yeah. just like the, some of the ending the very bits. very end yeah. yeah i think just took a couple like a point off for me yeah all right all right what are you scared of this week See, this is, I'm scared, but also excited. I have, because I obviously am doing a university course, um, I have a tutorial tomorrow um, over the interwebs with a v- quite a well-known animator within animation circles who's one of the more prolific horror animators that I know of. Ooh. And I'm very scared Good luck. <laughs> to show my work to this person because I'm like, oh my god. I'm scared, <laughs> but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he resonates with it because, like, oh, I'm sure my, my film I'm making right now is horror as well. Um, so I'm, sure I'm excited, but I'm also quite afraid. Yeah. So out of five, embarrassing myself in front of a prolific animator, this got a four for me. Okay, it did cool. scare me. I did have to go and lock all the doors that were they mean they were locked already but i like dead bolted all of them yeah i had and, to double check that the back door yeah. was locked about yeah. three or four times but i it didn't make me like jump so much my friends who i was my housemates i was watching it with did jump a lot but mm-hmm. i it for some reason it didn't i may have been i was too chill at the time i'm not sure exactly what happened yeah. but it didn't make me jump at the time so Give it four, four out of five, five because it is still really scary and that very nihilistic, like bad, horrible shit happens Tone. to good people no yeah. matter what is always scary to me. Yeah. So my fear factor for the week is actually home invasions, and I'm going to uh, regale you all with a little story. Oh my god! Before I moved into the Gorporium and I was living with Brandon, we were living in a house in a suburb. And he went off to work and I was laying in bed with the gremlins. Door was shut. My bedroom door was shut. And the back door was unlocked because my back door was only accessible if you jumped a six foot fence, a six foot gate in order to get into the backyard. So I didn't really worry about it. I kind of just left it unlocked to just kind of open and close for the gremlins as uh, needs be. And I was laying in bed with the gremlins on my phone and I heard the floorboards creak outside of my bedroom. And I thought I was tripping. I was like, no way is somebody creaking around inside my house. And I kind of ignored it until it happened again, like 
really loudly, like right outside my bedroom door creaking around. And then my bedroom shared a wall with the bathroom. (laughs) And I could hear inside the bathroom someone clanking around with the metal toilet roll holder and the toilet lids and running the tap and all kinds of stuff. Like that is an unmissable sound. So then I messaged everybody who I knew who was nearby being like, there is somebody in the house, please come by. By the time they turned up to the house, said person had disappeared. (laughs) But when asking around the neighbors, they said, oh yeah, that's just so-and-so who likes to break into people's houses and shit in their toilets and then run away. So he literally, I was like, because I thought I was going mental because they all turned up and nothing was missing. Nothing was amiss. There was no sign of forced entry. Nothing, nothing, nothing like that. Just the toilet. The toilet was still like flushing, you know, like the water was still going down. Yeah, still filling back up, yeah. And I was just like, what the the hell? And they were just like, yeah, (laughs) his whole thing is like almost like a kink or an obsession about it that he <laughs> likes to go go to other people's toilets that's and so weird that is one of the most horrifying things that has ever happened yeah, to me in my life terrifying <laughs> someone to break into your house just to phantom poop yeah right I, I, he, apparently he hit three other houses earlier that day so he <laughs> can't day? have actually he can't have actually been pooping he must have just sat there and just flushed like there's nothing maybe what if he is pooping every time though that man has a crazy metabolism yeah that's he must be like rake then (laughs) (laughs) that's worse image that's worse i'd rather him just be some like chubby like rando dude than be like some rake thin like six foot five like freak yeah haunting thin please be just please be a chubby man who likes to pretend you're pooping in the toilet not be like Someone who weighs ten like, times a day in different people's houses. Not someone who weighs like five stone, but is also like six <laughs> foot five. Because yeah. that makes me want to like screech. It's horrible. Yeah. So, right. um, home invasion. Five of them. Out of five of mysterious pooper home invasions. How scary yeah. do I find this? It's got to be a five out of five because, as I told you, oh, fair enough. This movie is very frightening to me because. It has a mix between nostalgia. Oh, yeah. You know, being really, really scared when you saw it when I was a teenager. Because the first time I saw this movie, I was 14. And I was terrified of it at the time. (laughs) And I haven't revisited it in about six years since I was 18. So it's really, really scary to me because of nostalgia, but also actually suffering a home invasion. It like doubled down. And so when I was trying to watch it at like 11 p.m. at night and make (laughs) notes about it, my palms were sweating. My face was sweating. I had to turn on the The aircon to stop me sweating. And it's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. Yeah. Spaghetti on his sweater. (laughs) And um, I I couldn't like type. My hands were so shaking. I was like, oh I just have God. to go to bed and watch yeah, this you Bella in break. the morning. Horror movie break. I was like, th- I don't get scared of horror movies ever. And this one really scares me. It really, really does. <laughs> 
It really freaked me out that first jump scare where he appears in the window. It's, I was like, it's nope. so good though. It's I was like, sound nope. design. It's so loud, and that bit is no, so scary. <laughs> really efficient jump scares. I must say, very good, very impressive. So, what do you give it out of twenty-five? I gave it, I think, a nineteen. Okay, so mine's twenty-one. Ooh, you know what that means. Oh, is it going to the landlord? Yeah, I think it, it, it is. It gets a 40. It gets a 40, so it is going yeah. to the landlord. Oh my god, we've got another... I didn't think this movie was going to make it to the landlord, I didn't actually. think so either, but you know, I ended up really, really liking it in a sort of very disturbing way. Like, it's not that fun, <laughs> but it's no, a good it's movie. Really not, but I really love... <laughs> I've got a real soft spot for this movie. I really, really do. No, I really liked do. it a lot. Yeah. Okay, Um. let me let me do my uh, little run. <laughs> little run to um, to the landlord go go fast i'm back okay (laughs) that was very fast good job i you know i used to run track in high school so that's a lot i actually know you did no i did and um got to it (laughs) accuse you of lying no it's like the only sport i'm good at (laughs) uh so i'm really good at running to the landlord chucking that bro my knees are constantly broken chucking that vhs or dvd right under that broken slot under the door and lovely uh running back again (laughs) i'm i'm on it now, I know you're heading off and you're disappointed at the lack of Christmas spirit this episode. But never fear, we're doing only one more non-Christmas episode and then we're doing two weeks in a row full of holiday cheer. Oh, that's you perked up. Don't know why you're so happy. You always forget everything the minute you leave the Gorporium anyway. And yet you always come back. Sort of subconscious Stockholm Syndrome situation? Maybe they just like all the treats we give them. So, more Pavlov than Stockholm? (laughs) Anyways, you know we're always open for you. And you will always find us creeping around the Gorporium. See you soon!